This is the Who's to Say podcast with your struggle bus captain, Grant Sheffield. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the podcast. This is Struggle Bus Captain here, Grant Sheffield. Let's uh, go over. See a few things. It's been a. Uh, it's been an interesting two weeks as of late. Uh, <clears throat> had the North Carolina Comedy Festival a few weeks ago. That was real dope in Greensboro. Uh, at the Idiot Box, of course. Shout out to Jenny and Steve for that. That was real dope. Met a lot of a lot of great comedians from all across the country. Um, some people I had, some of the comics there I have seen in passing at shows, um, but I had never really spoken to before. So it was cool to like connect and talk to them or whatever. That was dope. Networking was pretty strong there. Um, snacks on point as they need to be. Solid amount of cupcakes. There was some sandwiches going on, but you guys don't care for that. How were the shows you ask? Uh, the shows were dope. Um, I think I had a Tuesday show and a Saturday show. Um, my Tuesday show was like, I want to say it was a 10 10 o'clock show on a Tuesday, man, people trying to disrupt my podcast and stuff, but no, like Tuesday was a solid, solid show. I think I went up, um, maybe it was third or fourth. I want to say, um, I feel like I had a pretty good set. I was happy with it. I think that one got recorded. I need to get that video so I can like put that in places where it matters. Um, let's see what else happened. I had a Saturday show that was pretty good. I think that was like a four thirty show. Uh, I was kind of weary of like stand up during the daytime just because it doesn't. Sometimes I feel like stand up doesn't really resonate um, in the daylight as it does at night because you know it's more like a a vampire type of thing where comments are doing stand-up at nighttime. They're up until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and then they go work their trash job the next day. Um, but it was good. Um, I really enjoyed doing the festival. Um, I didn't hand out any business cards because I thought it would have been weird to hand out my business, my comedy business cards to like other comics. Um, I did do a decent amount of adding on Facebook because that, uh, that networking is definitely important because you don't know who might need somebody to do like time on a show or if you're passing through somebody's city or whatever and you might just hit them up and they're like, yeah, I can get you like a 10 minute spot on this show. And it might be like a really great show that you could be missing out on because you didn't want to just say hey to somebody at a thing. So I try to be cordial with everybody. I try to stick around and watch as many sets as I could just so I can kind of gauge like, um, I guess where I am in my scene versus where other people are in their scene. Not like a thing of like comparing like who's better, who's not, but like where are they at the same amount of time that I am in stand up in their scene and I am in mine, if that makes sense. So that was kind of cool to watch people's uh, process of like writing and just talking to them in general. So I was sitting at this table with a few comics who are about four or five years uh, further in the game than I am. And like, because they're probably seven or eight years in. I'm just sitting there just like, just taking notes in my head. It's like, all right, make sure when the time comes, you have some merch. Um, make sure you got some buttons. Um, I was trying to keep all that bad away in my head. It's like, all right, they start doing this, this, and this. 
and then they were talking about doing college shows and stuff like that. And I was like, okay. Because uh, I feel like it's important to be around people who are ahead of you in whatever the thing you're doing. So you can kind of have like a, I guess like a blueprint of what to do next. So that was pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> I got some, some solid feedback from when the comics there. Um, Holly Lene, she's a great comic. Uh, out of Kentucky. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I hope she's from Kentucky. But she's a great comic. She gave some feedback on one of my jokes. And as soon as she gave me like one little tag, I knew the joke was done. I was like, I should have thought of this months ago. But I guess that's a good thing about like being around other comics in that creative space. They will analyze your set and know exactly what your joke needs. Um, so that was dope. So shout out to her. Um, I think she's going to be, I think she's going to be in town for the Oak City uh, Comedy Festival in May. So that's going to be real dope. So put it on your calendars if you're local. And if you're not local, book a flight. You got time. Um, Because that's going to be dope. I'm excited about being a part of that. Um, It's good to see stand-up on that platform in Raleigh. Um, A lot of great comments going to be at the Oak City Comedy Festival. Let's see what else, what else. Um, also, that same week, I had I hosted at Good Nights for the first time, like a weekend show. So that was dope. Like, I've done a decent amount of shows around. I've kind of, like, hosted shows here and there and done shows here and there. But, like, this is kind of like the pinnacle, I would say, like, hosting at Good Nights. Um, of course, the real pinnacle, I guess, would be, like, headlining at Good Nights. But as far as that goes, I was like, man, this is this is tight. So it was Drew Lynch. All those shows were great shows. There were no bad shows in there. Um, I will say there was one show that stuck out because, like, uh, I could tell that there were super fans in the crowd. And I don't think I've ever ran across that before, like, watching a stand-up show. Like, I remember <clears throat> I went and saw Godfrey at Good Nights. And, of course, that was an amazing – those were amazing shows that I watched. Um, but when I was in the audience, I don't think I saw people who – I feel like we're super fans who've been following, um, <clears throat> like, vlogs and stuff like that that the comic on stage might have put out. But these people came specifically because they might be fans of his other um, venture. So, of course, um, he has a vlog and all this. But, of course, he does stand-up primarily. So there were people who came and brought their service dogs to the show. And I was like, this is like... This is like some real fan stuff right now. Like these are like super super fans. They brought their dog to meet his dog at the show. Drew Lynch is who I'm talking about, of course. Um, so that was cool. I learned a lot at that show. Um, that was crazy though. See like people. Um, I- I've seen people take pictures and all that stuff, but like the line had to easily be like 55 people deep. Because I remember I was standing out there, like, seeing if I could help in any way, see if I can, like, help hand out shirts or whatever or um, take pictures for people. Um, <clears throat> but I was out there for, like, a good 15, 20 minutes. And it's like the lines kept getting longer and longer. I was like, this is, this is like, real, real stand-up. Like, when people, like, legit love with you, what you do. So, like, I went inside after, like, 15 minutes or so because I didn't have a coat. It was freezing. Um, then I came back out. And I promised the line hadn't gotten any shorter. I feel like people were adding to the line. So that was really, really cool. Um, <clears throat> other things that have happened the last few weeks. I, uh, 
starting to get that itch again, guys. Starting to get that March itch to quit my job. If anybody who knows me knows every spring I'm up for a new role, you know. I feel like, uh, I don't know, I always feel like a college basketball player. Like, the fall is like my, like my collegiate career, and the spring, I'm ready to go. It's like, uh, I'm, the, I'm the one and done. That's me in every, jo- every job. I'll be there for the fall. Spring hits, yeah, I've gotten uh, very tired of this job, so I think I'm taking my talents elsewhere. <clears throat> but, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's coming. I think that's down the pipeline. I don't know what's going to happen, but, yeah, I think I'm tired of uh, having to deal with these old ladies, you know, these old ladies who are just very, uh, very rude. Is that's the only way you can explain? They they just come up there, and they just they want to fuss at you like a lady. Legit fussed me out last week <clears throat> over the fact that we didn't have a phone more basic than a flip phone. And I was like, I said, ma'am, I'm I'm sorry, but this is the most basic phone on the market. She's like, there's no way there's there can't be anything more basic than this. She's like, I'm I'm 83 years old. I served as a colonel in the Navy. Congratulations. So what you're telling me is you had to do research, which means you could have Googled this and found out that there's nothing more basic than this. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. It's all good. Just getting tired of that type of nonsense because uh, I could probably definitely be doing something better with my time. I feel like uh, <clears throat> yeah, I feel like the job's kind of wearing on me. Like the customer service aspect is killing me, because that job is um, mm, job is pretty much ninety ninety percent customer service, ten percent sales, where I'm doing you know, this BS. Oh, my phone doesn't work. Okay, cool. I turn the phone off. Oh, how'd you fix it? Because you haven't turned your phone off in eight months. That's that's how I did it. I'm I'm a magician, and the most important ways. You're welcome. That drives me nuts. Um. And then I'm like, oh, do you happen to, who do you have for like TV and internet? And then it's like, oh, no, thanks. We, we have everything we need. Bye. And I'm like, thank you for robbing me just now. All the money I could have made is now gone with you out the door. Um, so, yes, yeah, the thing about like coming from a sales background, like when I was selling cars, that's all I was worried about. I was doing 90% sales, 10% customer service. Like, I would legit boot somebody out of a dealership. They're like, oh, I'm just looking. Okay, cool. What are you looking for? Well, I've been looking for a car for about three months. Oh, so you're not just looking. You're here to buy. And I would say it just like that. People are like, yeah, if the deal is right. I was like, the deal is always right. Let's see if we can put something together. Because, like, if you don't sell, you don't eat. That's just the game. This job's a little bit different. Um if you don't sell, you're still going to eat just because you're going to get like your hourly or whatever it might be. Um, but it doesn't feel the same like being like balls to the wall every single day. If I don't sell this, I don't eat. Like it's a adrenaline rush when you're like only doing sales. Only. The customer service part, yeah, if I was 17, 18, like fresh out of high school, I'd be all about customer service. Now it's like, is like... Is it really worth it having to deal with all these like customer service issues where people's bills are getting jacked up by other people and they bring it to me and they blame it on me and I've never met them before? 
Like, how can this be my issue? And I just met you 30 seconds ago. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's every day. Think about what it, <laughs> think about what it would be. I have coworkers who've been with the company for seven and eight years. I'm like, dude, you are, you're doing better than I'll ever be. Because me, I'm already fed up. I've been there for seven months. Which most people are like, dang, Grant, you've only been there for seven months. You don't ever stay at a job. I do stay at jobs. I just don't like people to waste my time. A lot of that at my job is people wasting my time. People come in, oh, I want to upgrade my phone. Cool. Bet. Because I also need to upgrade my phone. So I get it. And then I'll ask them, you know, about like the TV stuff, whatever. Like, yeah, we, we're fine what we have. I'm like, okay, cool. They won't even let me get my sales pitch in. That's annoying. And I know as a person who like, goes to places and they're trying to sell me on something i'll let them get the pitch in because if you never get the pitch in you never had a chance of making money and for me um if i never get that pitch in like that's killing my whole day because when i was selling cars i would probably do easily 30 or 35 different pitches between maybe three customers like, if somebody says no, like, they have to say no at least, like, five times when you're selling cars for you to be like, all right, these people ain't buying nothing. But this job, if somebody says no that first time, I'm like, all right, cool. Second time, yeah, they're not buying anything. Because they'll get, I've seen people completely shut down. Like, they're not even people anymore. Like, I'm like, oh, who do you have for TV and internet? And they'll look me in the face and not respond. And I'm just like, oh, this person's weird. Because no, no real person just doesn't respond when you're looking them eye eye to eye. I think that's very, very weird. <clears throat> so yeah, I'll be seeking further employment is what I'm getting at. Probably gotta uh, figure out what's like non non contract temporary stuff because I'm not really trying to clock in clock out. That's not really. I don't know. Kind of getting tired of the whole, not the rat race, but dealing with a boss or overseer of any types. Like I'd rather just, you know, find my own gig, see what's going on with that. So yeah. <clears throat> let's see. Other than job trash, let's see what else is going on. Went saw Black Panther. I saw that twice. <clears throat> First time I saw it, I went and saw it with somebody. Uh we had a good time watching the movie. Um but I wanted to see if that same uh mystique was still there like the second go around. So I went, <clears throat> I think it was like on a Tuesday or Wednesday, I think I was off work. I was like, I'm gonna go like the middle of the day, nobody's there and see if this movie is still as good as I thought it was the first time. Also, <clears throat> the reason I went to go see it is because, uh, the second time I went to go see it is because people kept talking about how great the soundtrack was. And I was like, I heard no music during the movie. I was like, yeah, it is music in the movie, like the tribal music or whatever. And I was like, okay, maybe the music was okay. And then like I went and saw it the second time. I was like, where are they hearing this music? This is ridiculous. I'm not hearing any music. I just hear like tribal music that like uh, you might hear four or five like lyrics in the movie. I was like, what is this? Then come to find out, Kendrick Lamar released an album soundtrack for the movie. I thought it was actually in the movie soundtrack. So, yeah, um, felt pretty stupid about that. I went and saw it the second time, and this is what's important about this story. It's like maybe 
I think the movie started at 340. I think it started at 340 on like a, either a Tuesday or Wednesday. I go in there. It's like maybe 10 or 15 people in the, in the uh, stands or audience, I guess. Perfect, you know? <clears throat> I have my seat. I think it's like J14 or 21 or something like that. It's like when the end rows. Like I like to be like two from the end. You know, that way I'm not on the end. I don't have people bumping me, but I'm also further enough in that like it's going to be uncomfortable for somebody to sit on either side of me. That's how I plan things out. I like it. It works for me. So go up there. I'm sitting in my seat. Actually, somebody is sitting in my seat. It's like a guy, I guess his daughter. So the guy is in my seat. So I sit uh, a space between us. So there's one, it's me, a space, and then the guy. Keep in mind that guy's in my seat. I say nothing. It's fine. It's the middle of the day. I'm not going to flip out. <clears throat> so I come up and I'm on the same row as him. The first thing he does is smacks his lip. I was like, like, why are you at? What was the purpose of that? I paid the same 10 bucks you did. You got this whole row. Also, that might be the reason why he smacked his lips because he had the whole row. And then I came and impeded on that. Um, but yeah, I came and sat down. He smacks his lip. I was like, whatever. I'm just trying to eat my nachos, watch this movie, drink this uh, slushy, whatever. So <clears throat> we're probably five or ten minutes into the movie. Homeboy is knocked out of sleep. He is knocked out. He slept legit from the first ten minutes of the movie to the last probably 15, 20 minutes. I know this because I was hearing him snore. It wasn't like bad snoring, but just enough so you know this person is not awake. Like, he is definitely unconscious. Um, something else that I wasn't a fan of is at the same movie theater, instead of having the backlight turned off as most uh, profitable movie theaters do, they had the backlight on. So I could see inside of, like, their little studio AV room, like, the light is on. So think about the whole time you're paying, I don't know, anywhere from... 10 to 15 bucks to see a movie and you see this big light in the background i literally had to put my coat over like my shoulder so i'm not seeing the light beam in and then it just so happens that it started getting really cold in there and i already had like my coat over like my head probably look probably look pretty weird now that i think back on that probably look pretty weird uh for anybody who was sitting nearby um but I had like my, my coat over my shoulder because I didn't want to see the light. And then it started getting really, really cold in there. Next thing I know, I was waking up. I was like, oh, no, I've become the guy next to me. I was only asleep for like 10, 15 minutes. Of course, I already saw it the first time, so I knew exactly what I missed. Um, but all in all, it was, uh, it was a good time. It was uh, I enjoyed the movie a lot. I didn't see as many dashikis there as I did everywhere else at the last place. That I went to see the movie because I went to a different theater. Um, actually, there were zero dashikis in the theater. And that was pretty great. Uh, I don't own any dashikis. I, I know where to buy them. I don't own any. But um, where I work is like in a very um, elitist area. <clears throat> and everybody has like hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars just stowed away. And it was amazing to watch like uh, like black people going to the movie theater over there. They were in the dashikis. And like people I work with as well as uh, white customers are just looking like, why are they, why are they wearing that? 
the African tribal clothing. Oh, you don't you've never you don't know what Black Panther is about, do you? You don't know like it's mainly about like African pride. Not mainly about African pride. Of course, it's it's a hundred percent a superhero movie. Don't get that twisted. It's a superhero movie. All right. Uh, I would go as far as say uh, it's as much about African pride as um, what's that dude's name? As Captain America is like about like American pride. I would say it's probably like the same, essentially, because um, you know Captain America, of course, dude from New York or whatever. Same thing with like uh, Black Panther. It's you know Africa. So. So many people were confused. Like they were like, "Why are they wearing the African tribal clothes?" Like, "Oh well, you know, Black Panther is is based in Africa." Um, not to mention they talk about like the the tribes in Africa and the brotherhood and blah blah blah. blah. They're like, "Oh okay, but why? But why are Black people wearing it?" Well, I don't I don't know if if, if y'all know this, but um, once upon a time, many many moons ago, all Black people <laughs> were descendants of Africa. All right. And it was just amazing to me that that question came up. I was like, oh, white people are that caught up in their own stuff that they don't even think about where we're from originally. They just remember uh, the move to where we are now, not the original. So that was uh, that was interesting because I thought some things to me are very cut and dry. It's like, oh, uh, the movies in Africa, black people might just have like some type of pride for this movie. And they did. Um I didn't like wear any African clothing, not as like a diss to that idea, but just, it's just not me. I just had on a Hey Arnold t-shirt. That's what I had on. It says stoop kids on the front and that's how I'm living. I'm a nerd, but I don't like, I wasn't going to wear that. Um, but yeah, I think the movie was good. <clears throat> uh, on previous, on a previous episode of the podcast, I said I was more excited about um, the second season of Atlanta coming out than I was um, Black Panther coming out. And that second season has come out since then. I came, think it came out like on Thursday or something like that. So it's been a few days. And I'll be honest, uh, I enjoyed it. One of my friends who was the biggest critic of everything on the planet was not a fan. But also... Uh, nothing pleases this human being. He doesn't like anything. That's why he's my friend, obviously, because he hates everything at the same level I do, or at least critiques everything at the same level I do. Um, I thought the episode was a good episode. Um, was it a funny episode? No. Um, the funniest part had to be the Cat Williams part. Um, I was impressed with how the storyline was uh was was so connected to Cat Williams' real life, like his issues with the police. I was like, this was the most perfect thing for him. There was no, there was never a point where I was watching this and I was like, Cat Williams is acting. The whole time I was like, no, Cat Williams has done this role for the last seven to eight years, and he's he's an amazing comic. He's a great comic. Um, but you know, I think it was probably easy for him to get in character because that is his character. So yeah, um, pretty excited about how the, the first season or the second season has started. Um, 
I think that uh, I, I need to go back and watch the last episode of the first season. Because I remember I watched all the episodes up until the last episode. And I think I watched pretty much half of that episode. And I fell asleep or something. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it next week. And then like I kept getting busy on days where I had planned to watch that last episode, like the last 10 minutes, where it's like a big bombshell that I still haven't seen yet, but I've been told what happened. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch it now. I was gonna, Like a few weeks ago, I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and watch this last episode to get ready for the show. And then come to find out, I can't find the show anywhere on demand anymore, except for like Hulu, which I'm not about to pay for that. Um, so I guess I could do the free trial BS, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's been, uh, that's pretty much all I care about like, right now on TV is like Atlanta. I don't really, <clears throat> I don't really watch anything else. I don't really care for the rest of it. I mean, I just watch like, you know, regular, uh, reruns of like Scrubs, Fresh Prince, Jamie Foxx show, whatever. That's typically like the go, the go-to. And the Incredible Dr. Pole, that dude's nuts. All right. I like watching that. Just so I can watch him like uh, <laughs> do these surgeries on these animals, and it's kind of it's kind of cool. Sometimes it can be kind of gory. Like there was one where this cat uh, had been hit by a car or something. Sorry to Peter if you're listening. This cat had been like hit by a car or something like that, and he had to like take the eyeball out and like stitch it back together. That type of stuff was fascinating to me. I enjoy it like for sure. Um, but yeah, that was solid. Um, see what else going on. Um, another thing from the Drew Lynch experience, like hosting, um, we were in the back and we were just talking about like, what are the best shows or what are the worst, what are the best shows and the worst shows you've done? And, um, I was telling him, I was like the, one of the best shows I've done was probably based off of one thing that happened at an okay show. If that makes sense. Like, it wasn't necessarily the show that was great. It was, like, just one thing that made the show great for me. Like, I did a show. It was a, it was a black room. Um, maybe I was, like, a year, a year in, maybe a year and a half. And um, I did this joke. And it was this lady. It's a black lady. She's a bigger lady. She falls out of her chair laughing. She legit falls. And I remember being on stage, and I just said, well, guys, I just retired from stand-up. Thank you and good night. And like that got a pretty solid laugh. Because like, that was the best thing that happened, you know, in stand-up for me. As far as like reactions from crowds. Like you'll get like a house laugh, like uh, applause break, stuff like that. But seeing somebody fall out of their chair from laughing, that's that's up there. That's like top five. Um, and then we were talking about like worst shows. And I was like, um, I was like one of the worst shows I've ever done. And I've kind of talked about this on multiple episodes of the podcast. Is when the guy took the mic out of my hand when I was on stage. That was probably the worst thing that's happened to me on stage. Um, that's probably the worst show I've had, more than likely. And keep in mind, I've had some some pretty horrible shows. I've had shows where people have come on stage with me before, and that's that's the whole experience. I was talking to Drew as well as uh, the feature Kenny, who is an, an, another awesome comic. Um, they were telling me that they've done shows like in retirement homes and, um, stuff like that. And I've, that's something I've heard a lot. There are a lot of comics who I've met who have told me they've done shows like retirement homes and, um, 
next thing you know, you know, you're in front of like two or three 80 year old people. And then everybody else decides that they want to come and watch the show. And they want you to do the jokes over again, which has to be a comics nightmare. And somebody saying, can you repeat the joke? No, I cannot repeat the joke because uh, <laughs> the joke has a shelf life of the time I'm doing it to the time the joke ends. It can't be redone. Um, I think, uh, oh yeah, I was talking to, yeah, so we're still in the back, we're talking, and uh, I think Kenny was like, oh, well, what shows do you have coming up? You know, like I'm a like a real comedian. He's like, oh, what shows do you have coming up? And I was like, uh, just the just the one next week. Like, you know, I had like one show coming up or whatever. And uh, I was like, oh, what about you? Horrible mistake. Should have said nothing. I should have just been like, oh, okay, yeah, that's the only show I have. I shouldn't have said, what about you? I was trying to, you know, carry on the conversation. But I should have said nothing because I asked him what shows he has. Like, oh, me and Drew are going to London for the next five days for shows. Yeah, there, there's no, <laughs> there's no coming back from that. There was no me one-upping him by him saying that he was going to London. How can I one-up him other than saying, oh, you know what I'm doing next week? Actually, I'm saving lives next week. I'm going to be saving lives. So how's how's that? There's no way to do that, you know? Um, unless maybe I went up to that might be like, oh, actually, I'm giving birth next week. I'm bringing a human onto the planet. But yeah, that was dope to hear that uh, they got those shows in London. I was like, man, so you guys are doing it. Like, of course, they know this, but, you know, we're just talking about stand-up. And it's always fun to talk with other comics about like their writing styles and like people they know and what's really weird is like doing stand up you meet people who have already met people that you haven't met yet like those shows I did with with those guys they know some comics that I know like in past like oh what's up dude oh what's up it's good to see you again they know dudes like that and it's like really really weird cuz it's like shows you how small of a world it is and how connected like uh stand-up is um <clears throat> but yeah i just made it a point uh to you know let them know that now we're seeing like it's a lot of great comics and it's a lot of really productive rooms in the triangle in uh the triad of course in charlotte places like that to get up and um some of those rooms they had done before that i've done in the area and we were just kind of, you know, exchanging stories about, like, what this room is like or uh, how it's changed, stuff like that. And um, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I would say that the show I did <clears throat> with Drew Lynch, um, probably the best show. I would say the best show I've, I've ever done. Yeah, I would definitely say that because, like, I learned so much doing those shows. Like, more then more than just going to open mics and like, okay, I need to work on this. I can you work on that. Like I, I was learning like how, <clears throat> how like a, a feature and a headliner can like captivate the room and bring it back. Even, you know, even if like something might've happened earlier in the show, like, cause you have a difference in shows between like a Friday show to like a Saturday show. It's going to be a difference in like, um, just a vibe that different people bring into the room, like the audience members is what I'm getting at. So they were kind of coaching me a little bit, telling me about things to look out for and things to try to do in the future. Not necessarily like <clears throat> hosting or anything, but just like things to look out for when you're doing stand up 
like years down the road, like, oh, make sure you do this, make sure you talk to these people. So that was really dope. So I got a, a lot of love for those dudes. They really, uh, they helped me out a lot. Um, so yeah, and then shout out to all my friends who came, all two of you. I appreciate uh, <laughs> your contribution and coming to my show. Um, so yeah, that was dope. I, uh, I think it's weird. What's cool is like, uh, I remember the first time I hosted an open mic at the club. That was like a huge deal for me. And there was a moment like in between the first show and the second show where I was just looking at the crowd and I was just laughing hard. And I had like that, uh, that out of body experience. Where I was like thinking about, you know, you used to, when you first started doing stand up, you knew no one. It was just you and a dirty notepad. And you were going to your first open mic in downtown Raleigh at Tiernanog. You knew no one. And now you're hosting at Good Nights. So that's a, that's a, it's an interesting journey, I guess. And it's, a, it's only just begun. <laughs>